Choosing a child's name can be very important. Usually, parents are the ones to name a baby. Sometimes the mother chooses the name. Sometimes the father chooses the name. Sometimes it's done in cooperation with each other. And uh, so you have to work that out, what the name of the child is going to be. I remember when Sarah was born, we had picked all boys' names. And so when Sarah was born, we were kind of stupefied. We didn't know what to name this child. The boys' names didn't seem quite appropriate. And uh, so it took us two days, I think. Wasn't that right? Yeah, okay, two days before we finally named Sarah. The nurse kept coming in and saying, you have to name this child. What's the child going to be named? Well, we finally chose uh, Sarah. Sarah. In the passage before us this morning, it is God who names the baby. And uh, it is God who names the baby Jesus. An angel is sent to both Mary and Joseph individually and at separate times to inform them of what they are to name the baby. That's how important it is. The angel was first sent to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 31. It says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And then the text that I have selected for today, Matthew one twenty-one, the angel comes to Joseph and says, And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Jesus was an extremely common name at the time. It was a very common name. Jesus is the equivalent, the translation of the name Joshua. So, Jesus and Joshua are, in fact, the same name. Just like John and, in Spanish, Juan are the same name. They are John or or Juan. As Pastor Dave mentioned this morning, Jesus means the Lord or God saves. The Lord or God saves. God saves. There are many, many Joshua's. Uh, There are two rather famous Joshua's in the Old Testament. There's the Joshua who led the children of Israel in battle against the Canaanites and Amorites and others in order to conquer the promised land. Joshua was not the given name of Joshua. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, we read, These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, but Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So it was Moses who gave to Hosea the name Joshua. God saves. God saves. And then there's the Joshua in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 11, who is high priest over Israel. That's not exhausted by any means. Joshua was a very, very common name. So was Jesus. A very common name. Just like John in uh, our uh, culture is a very common name. Though 
his name Joshua or Jesus was common, his deliverance was not common. His deliverance was unique. God had raised up many deliverers for the children of Israel down through the ages. And our brother Wise is doing the book of uh, Judges. And in the book of Judges, there are a number of deliverers, judges, that God raises up to deliver his people from their enemies. What is unique about Jesus is the nature of his deliverance. For we are told in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save or deliver his people. But what is unique is that he will save or deliver his people from their sins. That is what is unique. And in Psalm 130, verse 8, it says, And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Last week we noticed that one of the titles for Jesus was Christos, or Christ, uh, which is the Greek equivalent to the title Messiah in the Old Testament. A Messiah was that anointed one, that one that was to come. The one that was to come was to be a deliverer. But the majority of the Jews at the time were looking for an earthly deliverer. They were looking like, they were looking for a Joshua or a Jesus that was much like the Joshua's or Jesus's that had preceded him. Namely, deliverers from their enemies. And they were looking for one who would come to deliver them from the bondage of Rome. Jesus, however, came to be a deliverer from sin. And so this morning, I want to look with you rather briefly at what it means for Jesus to be our Savior or deliverer from sin. And we need to understand this salvation or deliverance in three ways. First, Jesus came to save or deliver us from the penalty of sin. Secondly, Jesus came to save or deliver us from the power of sin. And thirdly, Jesus came to save us or deliver us from the presence of sin. The one that is most commonly thought of is the first. And that is that Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. The scripture teaches us that there is a penalty or a consequence to our sin. The Bible teaches us that we all have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Each one of us has done things that we should not have done and failed to do certain things that we should have done. Sins of commission, things that we committed, things of omission, things that we have omitted or failed to do. So we have all fallen short of the standard of God's perfect righteousness, perfect holiness, perfect justice, perfect goodness. We all have sinned. Whether that be telling a lie, whether that being selfish, whatever the case may be, we have all sinned. And the scripture teaches that there is a consequence, if you will, a penalty to sin. 
Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That wages is that which is earned. So what we have resulted in is due to our sin we have earned death. But Romans 6.23 states the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, not earned, not merited, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it is through him that we are able to experience forgiveness of sins. Jesus said at the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 28, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. When you think of that word forgiveness, it goes well with the aspect of debt. Debt. When a debt is canceled, we can refer to it as being forgiven. Forgiven. Especially when it is canceled without having been fully paid. It's forgiven. The person says, that's good enough. I will accept that as though it were payment in full. Jesus Christ died to forgive us of our sins. To cancel the debt that we owed. Having failed to live for God wholeheartedly, solely, reverently, completely, we have fallen short. We owe a debt of allegiance to God. Jesus Christ died to pay that debt. He paid it in full. He died on the cross shedding his blood in order to pay for the sins that we committed. The wrongs that we have done. He lived a holy and sinless life. He died willingly on the cross. Was not forced to go. But gave up himself for us. Died willingly to cover all of our sins of omission. Of failing to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. Jesus loved God with all of his heart and soul and mind in our place. So that in his death on the cross, he paid for all sins. Sins of omission and sins of commission. So that the penalty that was due to sin would be completely canceled, forgiven. He bore our penalty. As a result, he removes the enmity, enmity, enemy, the enmity that we exist with God. Before Christ died, we were enemies of God. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated means God with us. That's what uh, Emmanuel means in English. God is with us. Because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is now with us. God is on our side. We are no longer enemies of God. In short, Jesus saves us from the wrath, misery, curse of sin in this world and the next and moves us from a place of being cursed to a place of being blessed, of being an enemy to being a friend, and even more than friend, 
an actual child of God. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. We're born not of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He died to save us from the penalty of sin. But more than that, Jesus saves us from the power or dominion of sin. He saves us from the power or dominion of sin. Look again at Matthew one twenty one. And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people. And then notice this preposition. From their sins. From their sins. Christ came to save his people, not in their sins, but from their sins. To purchase for them not a liberty to sin, but a liberty from sins. In the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 5, it states, But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for us while we were in our sins. In our sinful state, Christ died for us. He loved us despite our sinfulness. And so, in the midst of our wickedness, in the midst of our enmity with God, as Jesus hung upon the cross and people were ridiculing him and and mocking him and disciples were forsaking him, as he is dying to save people, he is dying for them in their sins. We didn't clean up our act. We didn't get ourselves right with God, and then he died for us. No, he died for us while we were in our sins. But notice that this verse states that Christ died to save us from our sins. He didn't just die to save us from the penalty of our sin. He died to save us from sin itself. He died to deliver us. To make us free from sin. There are two images that the New Testament uses to depict this work of Jesus Christ. First, Jesus translates us from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Colossians 1:13 and 14. For he delivered us from domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So in this cancellation of our debt, in this paying the penalty of our sins, he moved us from being in Satan's kingdom to being in his kingdom. So that now he rules and reigns over us. So we become under the authority, under the rule of Jesus Christ. We'll say more about that next week when we look at the fact that he is Lord, that he is ruler. The second imagery that the New Testament uses is that of sin being a bondage. A bondage. In Romans chapter 1, verse 5, it states, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, 
the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. He released us from our sins. Before we were saved, we were powerless. Powerless to live righteous and holy lives. Ephesians states that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which in times past we walked according to the prince of this air, according to the prince of the power that now works in the sons of disobedience, who were by nature the children of wrath, who followed our lusts, our desires. We could not live righteously even if we wanted to. And we didn't want to. And even our righteousness was tainted. It was not purely selfless. There was a selfish aspect in our goodness. Charles Wesley, in his diary, speaks about a time in his life that he was a missionary to the United States. He came here to spread the gospel of God. But he clearly states in his diary the reason he came to the United States was to save his soul. He thought that he was going to earn his salvation by serving God. It was actually while here in the United States and then later going back uh, to, to England that Wesley was finally converted and understood that salvation was by grace through faith and it wasn't earned. You see, even in that good deed that he was doing in speaking about God, he had a selfish motive. He was doing it in order to be saved, in order to earn a right relationship with God. We do good things to gain people's approval, to gain God's approval. We do good things because it makes us feel good. All kinds of things, but apart from the grace of God, our goodness is tainted. But through Jesus Christ, he delivers us from the bondage of sin. That we finally are able to be free to serve God. To serve God. First Peter puts it this way. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So that now we come to Christ and we actually have a desire for Him to rule over us. Because we recognize the goodness of that rule. In our sinfulness, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve failed to recognize the goodness of God when he placed them in a garden. God said, you can eat from any tree of this, this garden that I have prepared for you except for one. From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. But Satan tempted them and said, will you really die? No. The reason God doesn't want you to eat from this tree is he knows that you will be like him. Knowing good from evil. They ascribed in an ulterior motive to God. A wicked motive of God. They said God wants to deprive you of good. When just the opposite was true, God wanted to preserve them for good. 
But because they believed the lie that God was depriving them of good, they sinned. And there are a lot of people today who still believe that God is depriving them of good. They think that sin is better than living righteously. They think that they're going to be happier. They think they're going to be wealthier. They think they're going to be better off. Why do people do the things that they do? Not because they want to harm themselves. They want to make their life better. But unfortunately, they fail to recognize that the good things of life come through obedience to Jesus Christ. The blessedness comes in living for Him. And that life is miserable apart from Jesus Christ. That's the great transformation that takes place when we are saved. A recognition of the joy that is ours in being able to be servants of Jesus Christ. It now becomes something that we want, something that we long for, something that we pray for, something that we desire. When prior to our salvation, it is something that we rejected and ran from. We didn't want God's authority in our lives in that way. So Jesus Christ came to save us from that that power or dominion of sin in our lives, freeing us to be able to serve Him. That's an important part. He didn't just die to keep us in our sins with a penalty forgiven. No, He died to pay for the penalty and to deliver us from sin's power and presence in our lives. And then thirdly, Jesus saves us from the presence of sin. This is future. This is future. Jesus saves us from the presence of sin. One day, Jesus will do away with all of the evil of this world. This too is a part of the good news. This too is a part of the gospel. This too is a part of the declaration he will save his people from their sins. Galatians 1.3 states, Grace to you and peace from our God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins in order that he might deliver us out of this present evil age. You see, all this was in view when Jesus Christ died on the cross. In dying on the cross, he died on the cross to save us from sin's penalty. Pay the debt. In dying on the cross, he died to save us from sin's power, to deliver us and to allow us and enable us to live for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from the very presence of sin. One day, He will remove all of the wickedness and sinfulness of this earth. The earth will be transformed. All of sin's curse will be removed. Revelation 22, 2 and 3. In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was a tree of life bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And His bondservants shall serve Him. We sing, Joy to the world, 
at Christmas time. And it's a great, great hymn. And one of those verses states, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive his king. Let every heart prepare him room. Okay. And then it says that uh, he is going to remove the curse. Far at, uh, and uh, rocks, hills, and plains repeat with sounding joy. For he is going to remove the curse as far as it is found. That's yet future. That this earth is going to be completely rid of all aspects of the curse. Of all aspects of sinfulness. But you see, God in his great patience and God in his great goodness and beneficence has waited to remove the curse because when that happens, when that happens, it means that everybody who doesn't know Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, is going to be punished for their sinfulness. It means they're going to spend an eternity separated from the peace and love and goodness of God. For them, it's going to be a horrific thing. So in the meantime, we live in a world that's filled with evil. But it won't always be that way. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to save His people from their sins. And that deliverance is sure. That deliverance is guaranteed. The Scripture says in Romans chapter 8, for those whom he justified, uh, those he also glorified. There's going to be this deliverance from the very presence of sin. When we understand salvation, we need to understand it in that full sense. Jesus Christ came to save us from sin's penalty, sin's power, and sin's presence. And so, this morning, the application is quite simple. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior from the penalty of sin? This aspect of the fact that we have fallen short of the glory of God. This morning, if you want that deliverance from sin, understand, understand, understand that along with it comes the aspect that you are delivered from the power of sin. That's good news. That's good news. You see, nobody is saved who says, I want to go on sinning. I just don't want to pay the penalty. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a person repents. A person says, I want to be delivered from this sin. This is awful. I hate my life. I hate my disobedience. I hate the fact that I sin. I'm so frustrated that I can't bring about lasting change in my life. They hate their sin. And they cry out to God for deliverance. In that, they're delivered from the penalty of sin. And at the same time, God is at work in their lives, gradually changing us and bringing us into more and more the conformity of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that more and more we're saying no to sin and yes to God. The greatest transformation is seen seen in our desire. When all of a sudden, now we want to live for God. All of a sudden, now we care about what God thinks. And we are grieved when we sin, not because of the consequence it brings us, 
but the shame that it brings to the glory of God. We feel bad not just for the consequences in our life, but now we feel bad because of what it means to the honor and glory of God. We know that He deserves better from us. That's the transformation that comes with salvation. Died to save us from the penalty of sin. Died to save us from the power of sin. And died to save us from the presence of sin. We long for, we long for being delivered from the presence of sin. What makes heaven heaven? Have you ever thought about that? What makes heaven heaven? What is it that is so wonderful about heaven? And I know that there's all this imagery of golden streets and so on, but it's to paint a picture for us. But when it comes down to it, what is the greatest thing about heaven? And the answer is, there is no sin there. There is no sin there. There is no curse. So, Revelation says, there's no more tears. There's no more sorrow. There's no more death. There's no more dying. See, all that is associated with the sin of this world. When we are in God's presence for eternity, there is no more sin. Nobody in heaven is going to be longing for the good old days when they were a sinner. Oh, I wish I could go back and sin again. Oh, I wish I could go out and enjoy life, meaning sin. No, no, there's no enjoyment to sin. The enjoyment is a life lived in perfect harmony with God, perfect obedience, perfect service. So Revelation 22.3 states, There shall no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His bondservants shall serve Him. That's how it's described. That's how our eternal relationship is to God. We will serve Him. And we'll be delighted to do so. We'll take joy in doing so. That's the transformation that's gradually taking place in our hearts and lives now if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're learning to enjoy serving Him. And you're trying to forsake sin. Jesus Christ came to save His people from their sins. Not in their sins. From their sins. And so I say to you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you asked Him to forgive you? Cancel the debt? Recognize the fact that you have done things in your life that are inappropriate, that are wrong? That dishonor God and harm you? Have you ever asked God to forgive you for that? The only way that they can be forgiven is to acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for you because He paid the penalty of our sin through His shed blood in dying on the cross. Have you ever gotten to a place where you said, I'm a sinner. I need, to forget. I need forgiveness. And have you understood that the reason you need that forgiveness is because sin is dreadful. Sin is awful. It fails to glorify God. It fails to give God His right place. Do you acknowledge that part of that sinfulness was that you failed to serve God as you should have? And so as you're coming to Christ for your sins to be forgiven, you're seeking 
deliverance from God. You're seeking to change. You're seeking to be a new person. You're seeking to do what is right and stop doing what is wrong. You're longing to serve Him. And then is that recognition that right now it's a struggle. Right now it's a battle going on within us. We have our good days and bad days. We have our moments. Moments when we really want to serve Him and moments when we struggle against that, that service. But one day we'll be delivered. One day, one day that will be perfect. And there won't be any more struggle. We'll see sin for what it is. We'll be glad that we're totally free from it, totally rid of it, and delighted that we have the opportunity to serve God. All of that is what salvation is. All of that is what Jesus came to accomplish. And all of that will be realized in every single person who truly is saved, who truly believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because that's what He came to do. He came to save us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and the presence of sin. And every single believer who is truly saved will and does experience that deliverance in its totality. For we'll be with Him one day, free from the presence of sin. So, this morning I'm going to go to uh, prayer. And as we do, I'm just going to ask you a very simple question. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior from sin? I hope right now that that means more to you than when you walked in. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? From its power? Excuse me, from its penalty? From its power? From its presence? Have you repented? Have you changed your mind and attitude towards sin and towards God? Do you want deliverance today? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be delivered from sin's penalty, from sin's power and from sin's presence. If you want to be saved this morning, you can. By crying out to God and asking Jesus to forgive you, cancel the debt, transform you, make you new. Having paid the penalty, providing the power, assuring the presence of sin being delivered. Have you ever done that? Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin? If not, I would invite you this morning that as I pray, that you would pray with me to seek God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. In this moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask that we bow our heads, close our eyes, and Before we do, I'm just going to ask, is there anybody here this morning who desires to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior? If you do, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just so I can see it. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you in any way, but I want to know that that you've made that decision in your life. So, if you just bow your heads, close your eyes. Is there anyone here this morning who would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Would you raise your hand? You're ready to... Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin. Quickly, I won't make this long. Anybody, would you raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, okay, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else here wants to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior from sin?
Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for these two individuals who raised their hand to signify that they would like to be saved from their, their sin. Oh God, I, I pray that you would work and move in their hearts and minds and assure them that through their faith in Jesus Christ, that their sins, in fact, are removed. The, pay, the penalty of sin has been paid, that you will do a work in their lives and cause them to desire to serve you and do what is right. And one day you will deliver them completely from the very presence of sin. We thank you, the Lord, our Lord, for the wonderful message that we have to proclaim, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Thank you, our Father, for sending your Son into this world to die in order to deliver us from sins. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me just say, uh, those of you who raise your hand, if you'd like to talk to me after the service, I would love to talk to you. Thank you.